It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. We're watching Zach Taylor fighting for his job and waiting for Joe Burrow to get back. And no matter how you watch, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with my co-host, James Rapine. Today we talked to Brad from Over the Cap and Pro Football Focus about the salary cap situation in this weird COVID year, what to expect next year for the Bengals, and how they can best spend their money in terms of efficiency. Of course, it's also Monday, which means it's Mock Draft Monday, so we continue the theme and get into Mock Draft Monday after taking a look at the salary cap and free agency. The theme is, as it has been on many Mondays this season, I guess, looking toward the future. But we're going to get started with Zach Taylor's positivity. In his press conference on Monday, Taylor made it known to the media his general outlook and the choice he makes every morning. And we talk about whether or not that's a good thing for this football team. James, before we talk about the Zach Taylor press conference from Monday, let's quickly hit on this note from Dr. Elitrash, the surgeon who did Joe Burrow's knee reconstruction. He was on Adam Schefter's podcast, and he says that he's pretty much on track. There's not much that he can really say specifically this early in the recovery process, but he sounded confident in Burrow's prognosis to return to the field of play. He was happy with the way the surgery went. So by all accounts, things are looking on track for Joe Burrow's recovery, and there's nothing unexpected. There's no bad news hiding that we're going to have sneak up on us. Zach Taylor was also asked about Joe Burrow's recovery, and all Taylor really said is that he's in good spirits. He's out there in California, and he's starting to feel better as he gets into the rehab process. But more interestingly, in the press conference, Taylor was asked about his mental state when he talked about how it's tough for anybody to lose as much as they've lost to put the work in that they put in, the strain on their body. Jesse Bates talked about it a little bit before Zach Taylor met with the media. And Taylor said that every morning, his philosophy is he wakes up and he makes a choice. He makes a choice to try to remain positive, to focus on the things that are going well, and to have a positive outlook for the future. And that could be good, but when the seasons are going the way they're going, It could be seen as fake or otherwise not very genuine. 
There's nothing wrong with being positive, Jake. In fact, I think that that's that's a quality everyone should try to have more of in their life, right? Be positive about their outlook. Be positive uh, about specifically this year what we have because of, of what everybody is going through right now. At the same time, there isn't much to be positive with uh, about the Bengals. And I think even even yesterday, right, or, or Sunday rather, when you're talking about the, the loss to the Cowboys, Taylor focused on, and I think he did this with his players. I, I do believe that. And that's one thing he said is, I'm the same guy in front of my players as I am in front of you. And I think he does say similar things to the players that he says to the media. And sometimes that's okay because it is it, it comes off as genuine, right? But other times it's not. Like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that the Bengals didn't just lose on Sunday because of three fumbles. They also lost because they couldn't score in the third quarter or the fourth quarter because they they really struggled on offense in each of the past really the past eight games, seven games in the second half, specifically the third quarter. I think they have six third quarter points since week five. I mean, it's it's just been a nightmare. And so I hope Zach isn't that positive when he's talking to his players, because if that's the reality at some point at two, 10 and one, or maybe it would have been two, seven and one or two, six and one, you're like, okay, it's time to switch gears a bit and tell them that they suck and that they're playing bad and that, and that's part of it. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And I think thinking negatively and being very critical of yourself is is extremely beneficial. And, and you look at the the most successful people. I think they're really they're, they're biggest critics. So this idea of ah oh, man, this is great. Like at some point, the positivity is is overdone and it's too much. And, and I, I think this isn't one or one or two on the list of Taylor's flaws, but maybe this is on the list. That being too positive when you're two ten and one and four twenty four and one as a head coach is a thing, and it's something I think he's kind of flirting with at this point. And I think that the devil's advocate I'll play here is, yeah, he said that he's going to be the same guy in front of his players as he is with the media, but we have no idea. I mean, they pulled Hakeem Adenogy after ten plays. They've been pretty quick on pulling some guys from time to time, not necessarily the guys that they should be, but he talks all the time about people doing things the right way. And I want to know what that means. I want to know what it means for, you know, guys in this building are doing things the right way. They believe in, in the way we're doing things here. And he says that a lot. And they talked about accountability and he holds himself accountable a lot. To be fair, he, you know, he, he says that he wakes up and he chooses to focus on the positive, but he also said in the same press conference, it, it ends with me, or maybe that was Sunday's press conference and it was brought up today mm -hmm. on Monday. But I think he's aware and I just wonder what exactly does go into the locker room, what accountability looks like in the Bengals locker room, what the right way is that he talks about all the time, because it's not resulting in winning. So I would like to hear the details from Zach Taylor one of these days as to what that actually is. Coming up next, we're joined by salary cap expert. He's done some work on player value as well for PFF, Brad Spielberger. As we shift our focus to the 2021 offseason, as has become ritual on our Monday shows. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you might have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one of a kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. 
using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters each produce a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We now welcome on to the Locked On Bengals podcast, Brad Spielberger. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. He's a salary cap consultant for PFF. He's a contributor for Over the Cap. He does NFL cap and contract work as his primary focus, I believe. And he was a former Vikings legal intern. And and that part's pretty cool. When did you spend some time with the Vikings and what did you do for them as part of that internship? Yeah, well, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Uh, looking, been looking forward to it. Looking forward to get into some, uh, some Bengals stuff, some cap and contracts. But uh, yeah, I did that. Um, a couple summers ago, well, it was a great experience. It wasn't uh, cap and contracts related. It was really like a true legal job, uh, which I've obviously veered away from since. But uh, that was an awesome experience and, and got a lot of exposure to, you know, the, the business side of, of an NFL team and all the things that I think we uh, sometimes take for granted or, or don't give enough credit for all the things they deal with off the field. But uh, yeah, excited to talk some football. Yeah, I mean, every organization is going to have their lawyers to deal with whatever legal issues might arise. But As you said, talking about some Bengals football a few weeks ago, maybe a week ago, you had a tweet about some projected cap numbers. The Bengals, it feels like every year, even though they just spent a ton of money in the last offseason, seem to be projected to have a lot of cap money available. This year, you have expiring contracts for A.J. Green and William Jackson as two of the bigger ones to come off the books. They've also got some potential cap casualties, some cap cuts that they could make in the offseason. But let's first start with what do you expect the salary cap to look like for 2021? Because originally we thought COVID affecting revenues was going to affect the cap significantly. And now I think what we've heard is with the vaccine and and rosy projections for next year, it might not be quite so severe. Yeah. So originally we had, uh, we were just using the floor um, that 175 million number is the lowest it could possibly be. Uh, The NFL and the Players Association agreed on that. So the plan was basically to see how everything went this season um, and then try to maybe raise it from there or see what they could do. So there was a report from Pro Football Talk, who's obviously generally a, a very reliable source on financial things, contracts, cap, stuff like that. Um, and he and he suggested that it could be in the one hundred ninety five million dollar range, um, you know, which is twenty million dollars more than the floor. It's it's almost flat this year. It's one hundred ninety eight. So it would almost kind of be like operating under the same cap. But uh, 
I would say others in the in the industry are a little bit more pessimistic about about it being that high. Um, maybe falling somewhere between 175 and 195. Um, either way, the fact that it's not going up by about six percent, which is what we're used to, um, you know, means it's going to be a challenge. You know, regardless. Brad, how much do you think that hurts? veterans the Bengals have you know some veterans that they're going to be making decisions on on whether or not they they keep them that are currently under contract we'll get into free agents and things like that but you think veterans are wincing thinking about potentially being cap casualties given the the current climate 110 percent. that that is the group um i would call mid-tier veteran contracts are at the most risk um both the guys that are already on those deals you know in terms of cap casualties like you mentioned but also you know, I think guys looking for that kind of second tier or third tier payment, it's just not going to happen. I think what you're going to see is the top tier guys will get their money because, you know, they're top tier guys and that's just how it works. Uh, And then those vets you mentioned are kind of going to get pinched um, and teams are going to kind of go like big money up top and then just a bunch of minimums. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a ton of cap casualties, which could could kind of flood the market with talent, um, which could be an interesting phenomenon in itself. You know, obviously, like you mentioned a couple bangles, like, Sure, maybe Geno Atkins isn't worth a $15 million cap hit, but you're not cutting him because he's a bad player. Um, so, you know, for another team that could get him for a cheaper deal, like that, that's a steal. So there could be a lot of that as well. So what, based on no cuts at all, so so say they keep Geno Atkins, say they keep Bobby Hart, say, you know, some of these veterans that haven't been doing a whole lot for the Bengals or or maybe just aren't performing to the level you would hope for the the money that they're being paid aren't cut – What's the number right now that you think is is a reasonable estimate? Or is this just total guesswork at this point? There's no way to know until we see where the chips fall later. For the Bengals, you mean? Yeah, sorry. So, very good. Yeah, so right now we have their total cap liabilities for 2021. Um, they have 37 players that are currently under contract. Uh, and, and the total liability there is about $142 million. So you think anything, you know, obviously that whatever the cap is, obviously that minus this 142 number. Uh, and then you got you obviously get to roll over or carry over unused cap space from 2020. And they have about 11 million dollars there. So they should have, you know, they should have 50, 60, 70 million to work with uh, potentially. And even if they 50, 60, 70 to work with, even if they don't make any potential cuts. Yeah, that's that's if everyone okay. that's currently under contract stays. Uh, of course, you, know, you got to fill up the roster. So we, we use a term called like effective cap space, where you basically, you know, because they've only thirty-seven guys under contract, you multiply sixteen, you know, fifty-three minus thirty-seven, sixteen times the minimum, uh, because obviously they got to fill out a full roster. So maybe a little bit, you know, less than that. That's sixty, seventy million I mentioned. But you yeah, know, they they have a good amount of room for sure. And say they're interested in creating more room, say they're interested in moving on from some more veterans, which has been a very slow roster turn, in my opinion, with the new head coach of Zach Taylor coming in last year. Say they want to move on from a couple of guys. Who are the best cap cut candidates? I know that there's not a whole lot of dead money attached to Geno Atkins contract if they were to choose to move on from him. Not that that's necessarily a, a clear cut decision as he's been playing through an injury this year, hasn't been playing great in limited snaps. Or a guy like uh, Bobby Hart, who is a fan punching bag, who's arguably having his best season, low bar, but still a guy that isn't really playing starting NFL right tackle. Are there any other guys that look like attractive cap cut candidates based on their contracts and their performances this year? 
Yeah, so those two you mentioned are probably the ones that jump out. But I think you could also, smaller moves, maybe C.J. Azoma. Um, just again, a guy, he's a solid player, but you know, it, it, are you carrying an over $6 million cap hit for C.J. Azoma when you can clear you know, over five of that uh, with a cut? And then, honestly, Gio Bernard. I know he's been a Bengal for, uh, feels like, my lifetime. Uh, and, and he's still a solid, you know, obviously he's filled in a lot with, with mixing out and all that. But, you know, just getting up there in age, they really have attacked the, the running back position. I know it's been a lot of late-round picks and a lot of guys that maybe haven't totally worked out. But you can tell they're kind of trying to, to find maybe the next, um, you know, next backfield to build around. So he, he could be a cut as well because you save over $4 million there. Um, yeah, and that, and that can clear up a good, good amount more room, and they can be kind of aggressive again like we saw last year, which is not really their M.O. Um, like you mentioned, it's smart. You mentioned you know, they haven't churned over a roster like maybe we're used to seeing when you get a new head coach. Uh, obviously, the, you know, the front office situation was stable. was stable, but, but they did spend a lot last year, which was a bit different for them. Brad Spielberger is joining us um, from Pro Football Focus. He's a salary cap consultant. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Let me ask you something, Brad, and, and you can totally shoot it down. You're not going to offend me. But is there, are there teams that you think are going to maybe restructure their veteran deals and, and, and try to get more aggressive in that approach the, this offseason to kind of alleviate the the stress of of the cap and the cap potentially dropping? Because the Bengals, they're not usually known for doing that. But if I'm them, yeah, I don't want to say bye necessarily to, to Geno Atkins or if, if I can – make it to where it hurts less this year and, and keep the player happy. Are there guys that, that might do that instead of ended up being that second or third tier veteran free agent that doesn't get as much elsewhere? A hundred percent. I think it's a great question because I think that's kind of the next thing you look to say, okay, if you're one of those players, you know, I'm a bears fan. So like, I think my Geno Atkins is almost like an Akeem Hicks where it's again, it's mm-hmm. like he is a good player, but you know, the contract is different than the, than the production. So yeah, I think the next thing you say is, all right, whether it's a restructure where you push some money down the line or even a quote-unquote extension where you maybe you add some void years on the end. And, and even though it isn't a true extension, it's more of a, you know, a kind of a restructure and a way to create money. I think we're going to see a ton of that. I, I think there's teams um, that, that aren't going to have a choice, right? So you mentioned the Bengals don't really do it. Um, they, they don't, but there's even teams that do it less than them that truly – like try to, I mean, the, the Buccaneers don't give signing bonuses. Like Tom Brady, I think was is the only player on the roster with prorated money. So, they're, they're, it's going to be their hands are going to be forced where they're, they're going to have no choice but to do that. Um, and, and you know, you see teams like the Eagles, Saints, you know, Bears are, are, have already done a lot of it, and, and you know, mixed results there. And, and obviously, it's going to be tough to deal with down the road. But I think kicking money down the line is probably the easiest way for them to stay competitive, um, keep their talent. And, and keep the player happy to a degree, because at the, at the very least, you give them some upfront cash, even if maybe they're not happy with the overall situation. So that will be something that will be very interesting. We've talked a lot, James and I, about potential restructuring moves to free up space that the Bengals never seem too keen on. It also seems like a good ticket to cap hell. You see a team like the Steelers, who, or the Saints, I guess, who, who seem to always be dealing with the salary cap being very close to their current liabilities but that aside what would you say is the best way the most efficient way to spend free agent dollars pff did a study it sounds like the best year from a free agent you generally get as a first year so free agent moves can generally be seen as win now moves but are there some positions that are more efficient to spend on than others or or more likely to hit in free agency than others 
Yeah, so um, I did that study a couple of weeks back, and you know, I think the nature of free agency um, is that you, I think you can find value. I think you can find important contributors on your roster. I almost think that maybe there's just a bit of a perception issue with kind of the expectations a little bit too high. Um, and you know, I say that for reasons like I think when you see, in my opinion, when you see an edge rusher not get franchise tagged and, and get let go, like I think that should be something of a red flag, like. There's a reason why guys are hitting free agency um, when teams have so much power and control and ability to retain a player if they wanted to. So um, that being said, you know, based on the data that we had in that article, um, you know, which which covers a decent sample size, it it seems like attacking uh, defensive backs uh, tends to be the best way to find value. I, I think in part that is because of it's a very volatile position year to year. There's a ton of variance in coverage grade and also just the grade of coverage players and, and defensive backs. And so I think that, for example, this year, these are obviously just convenient examples, but you see guys like, like a Ronald Darby or like a Rasul Douglas or guys that, you know, or like an Xavier Rhodes in Indianapolis where they go from maybe playing a bunch of man to switching over to zone, like, you know, Rhodes, for example, just couldn't cut it as a, you know, in Mike Zimmer's defense anymore, but he's fine, you know, running Matt Eberflus' scheme. So, I think it's, it's signings like that where you can find cheap one, two-year deals uh, with with talented corners that maybe have had bad years or have had a couple injuries, but you're almost betting on that variance to be positive. Brad, a, a lot of Bengals fans want the team, and rightfully so, to go out and spend big money on maybe a Joe Tooney at guard or go get a tackle opposite Jonah Williams. Obviously, they're also focused on Sewell in the draft as well, so maybe a tackle to to pair with Sewell. Is is there value there? Is that something like like a guard if they spend fourteen million dollars per season on Joe Tooney? Is that something that, from a value standpoint, is worth it? So you mentioned the tackles first. So I'll jump on that one first. I do think that this offseason there's a couple interesting options for the Bengals in particular. Um, I've circled a couple names for them and the Chargers just because you know Burrow and Herbert essentially. Um, you have Alejandro Villanueva, who's going to be a free agent in Pittsburgh, and, and they just had they'll, they'll probably try to retain him, but it's going to be tough. Um, I had him pegged about 15, 16 million a year. Definitely a decent deal, but you know now with with Bakhtiari at what 23 million a year, it's not crazy. Um, you know you can see Russell Okung, uh, who got traded from the Chargers to the Panthers. Uh, he's been solid this year again. He's been a little bit dinged up, but when he plays, he's always pretty pretty solid. Def- definitely in pass pro in particular, which obviously matters to the Bengals a bit more. Um, I would I would strongly strongly caution against folks getting excited about signing an interior offensive lineman in free agency. I think you do. I think the floor is probably super high. I think you will find a player who's going to be good. You're not going to you know like you said you're not going to have a Bobby Hart who, who like fans just spend you know days on Twitter just just posting clips of him looking like a turnstile. Like a Joe Thune is going to be a good player, yes, but. I just think that you're not going to move the needle of your overall football team much at all. Um, you know, with, with one of your bigger free agent acquisitions being an interior offensive lineman. Uh, but that being said, I mean, the Bengals, I think the ROI, the return on investment there might be higher for them than others because just keeping Burrow upright brings, brings a ton of value. So there's that as well. And the guard play for the Bengals has been such a huge <laughs> issue. I mean, the player, the play that Burrow got hurt on was an issue with the guard getting bull rushed. And the guards have been amongst the worst in the NFL. So it does make it interesting. You have to contrast the positional value arguments that I know you guys love so much at PFF with the constraints of the team and the roster that you're building. Like I would like to go after a guy like Curtis Samuel 
I, I mean, wide receiver, you see the kind of impact it had for Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs, not that Curtis Samuel is that kind of player, but just another weapon with AJ Green, in my opinion, unlikely to return at this point. But Brad, we really appreciate your time and your insight and some of these ideas for Bengals fans. We're going to have to talk about this Joe Tooney idea a little bit more with you cautioning against spending money on the interior OL in free agency. Well, I will say, I, just to push back on myself a little bit, like I, I do also think that, you know, as you mentioned, the, the interior has been a mess. They obviously traded for, what, B.J. Finney when they, when they sent Dunlap to Seattle. They obviously, what, they signed, uh, was it Brian Winters or someone who got cut? I don't know, like Quentin Spain from Quentin the Bills. Spain. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, now that I mentioned the Bills, that's kind of the example I look at, is basically the Bills signed like 15 interior offensive linemen yeah. all to like one or two-year deals for like three to five million and they just basically found the good ones. Like they just, like Quentin Spain's a good player. They, but they just they signed literally like five left guards. So yeah. But but anyways, to be devil's advocate to myself, if Joe Thune is is so good that he can kind of not only elevate the play of maybe the center next to him, also maybe help you know bring a Penny Sewell or bring a Jonah Williams along at left tackle. Like I do believe in the kind of the stability that can come with adding one or two big peaks, and, and it can make the whole unit better. So there is some of that as well for sure. That's Brad Spielberger, PFF underscore Brad on Twitter. We really appreciate his insights and some of the thoughts about positional value and creativity, flexibility that teams will have to employ to win the 2021 offseason. Coming up next, I really want to key in on Brad's remarks about spending big money on the interior offensive line. This is something that the Bengals don't do. And maybe they're just doing it right, James. We'll talk about that coming up next. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, or maybe you're Zach Taylor and you're trying to break through the wall that is five straight losses in 424 and one, you can break through it with Built Go every day. It's easy to take with you in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, your pocket, maybe your desk, Zach. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. Think five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine in better results. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint, which is my personal favorite, and it combines energy gel with collagen protein. The protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, and it's easy on the stomach, and the collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. Check it out right now at BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brad brought up an interesting point about guards, and it's obviously something that the Bengals look at and and know and, and agree with. I mean, they didn't pay Kevin Zeitler, who was one of the best in the game at the time, and he became the highest paid guard in now they're kind of at a crossroads at that spot. As bad as the tackle position has been since Andrew Whitworth left and Andre Smith got old, so basically the past four years, it's been just as bad at guard this year, maybe worse. 
And the Bengals have a lot of question marks in the trenches, right? It goes without saying, Jake. So however they attack this, I'm not sure there's a, a perfect way where they're not going to end up getting it wrong somewhere, whether it's free agency or the draft. But I, I do think that the strategy of, okay, we're going to draft Penny Sewell anyway, or Sewell, God, I keep saying it wrong, Penny Sewell anyway. And, and, and then maybe we address guard in the draft as well, and we roll with young guys in the trenches that are going to be cheaper, and then maybe you go spend on a receiver. I think an argument can be made there, and, and it, it is it's going to be interesting to see which route they go because I could see it either way, right? I could see them Sewell and another young guard and then maybe, you know, Xavier Suofilo and, and, and one of these other veterans, they stick around to be kind of that swing guard and, and then they go with wide receiver or you go wide receiver, pass catcher and the draft along with Sewell and then you go get a Joe Tooney, which I wouldn't argue with either. I, I, it's an interesting dilemma. Which way do you lean? I don't really know, man, because because a lot of me definitely agrees with Brad and actually agrees with the Bengals uh, general strategy of, of not overvaluing interior offensive linemen, not shelling out big money there. But you see how the guards have played this year that I brought up when we were talking to Brad. And, you know, you look at Mike Jordan and the play that Joe Burrow got hurt on and that gives you visceral reason to really want them to go out and solidify that position. We also know that free agents are generally best in their first year with the new team and that rookies are generally not as good as veterans. So I actually, he brought up the bills and the bills, you know, they, like he said, they brought in like all the free agent guards, all the low tier free agent guards that were out there. And eventually, you know, they settled on a couple, they released some others but they're getting decent guard play now because they just brought in a bunch of guys and, and they kept the ones that worked. So how about that for some middle ground? I mean, you look at the draft and it gets really hard to, to pick up everything the Bengals want to pick up to solidify the team in the long term unless they acquire additional picks and that's going to be really hard. I mean, you look at some of the guard prospects, it's not like it's a great guard class. A lot of people are really hyped for Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. He's not having a very good year. A lot of people thought Trey Smith from Tennessee. He's also taken a bit of a step back as a senior. There's some okay center prospects in Creed Humphrey and Tyler Limbaum. There's the kid from, from UK that I'm sure we're going to hear about Drake Jackson, the center Elijah Vera Tucker from USC is having a really great year. Actually, he's one of the guys that I think has worked his way into the one, two conversation, especially because he might be able to play some tackle, but you really want to spend three and 35 on tackle guard and, and spend a premium pick on a guard. This is a, this is a situation that the Bengals have painted themselves into in the, into this corner where you have dire needs for a pass rusher. If Jackson leaves or Lawson leaves, you know, you have a bigger need at corner or, or, you know, even a bigger need at pass rusher. So uh, it's just a difficult situation and I don't see how they get through it without going free agency for some of it. And that's why I kind of like the bills idea of just let's bring in four guards and, and a couple of them might hit, you know? Sure. And I, I think that there's, um, a, a, that's a good point. And there, there's a way to do it and balance both. I think you could maybe wait till, you know, end of day two, early day three to get your guard of the future, but you've already added the veteran that you think is going to start day one. And then they could kind of compete a little bit and maybe the rookie impresses and and moves up, right? And th that's kind of the key here. And it's something the Bengals have uh, really been bad at, right, is drafting offensive linemen. A lot of people say, oh, well, they ignored the offensive line. Well, 
I guess, but not really. It's been, they've gotten it wrong on the offensive line. Cedric Olehi, not Abwehi, Olehi, get it? Uh, Jake Fisher. Then a couple of years later, Billy Price. I mean, if we're talking about them, you know, if Abwehi hits and Billy Price's name is Frank Ragnow because he falls one more spot, well, then those two guys are starting on the line, right? And, and that's that's the difference. And they've just gotten it wrong. It's not failure to try. They've just gotten it wrong and maybe invested their uh, assets in the wrong spot or on the wrong player. And so that's the key now. The, the margin of error, when we talk about it on the field this year with all their injuries, the margin of error in the trenches is zero. Yeah. So you have to hit on Sewell if he is that guy or whoever it is. You have to hit on Joe Tooney if that's going to be the guy you get. Whoever you bring in has to work because if it doesn't, it, it's not only going to stunt Joe Burrow's growth, it's going to ruin his entire rookie contract, especially in my opinion, if you bring back a guy in Zach Taylor who's done more harm than good since being here. And so if, if it's that in uh, that co- combined with uh, a poor offensive line or you pick the wrong guys again, it's just a, a lot of pressure there. So I don't know if there's one right way to do it, but a lot of teams are getting it right in the trenches. And whether it's spending big money or it's spending big money and drafting or maybe a mixture of both, they got to find a way to fix it this offseason. I'll say this. I think the right way involves moving on from Jim Turner. I think that, you know, you talk about picking the right guys. You also have to develop the guys when you pick them. And I think that we've got a clear track record of poor development under Jim Turner. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, we are back with the midweek mailbag. It's Steelers week. I said excitedly for some reason without a sense of dread whatsoever anyway it is Steelers week tomorrow is the mailbag those are true statements until then Bengals fans have a good one if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on NFL scouting podcast join the draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL draft if you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster you need to check out locked on NFL scouting available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.